I think he's the biggest pile of garbage in the history of the world. So <laughs> um, I think he's the literal, I can go on and And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How you guys doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 55 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do. Well, right in a fantastic... How you doing, baby? Um, I'm doing pretty good. You are kind of wild right now. I got to get pumped up for the podcast. It oh. is a beautiful Saturday day out here in San Diego, and it is extremely hot. And we would know because our air conditioning is... Um, Still, it's not working. Correct mundo. And we have to have the windows all closed while we record. Because an ice cream truck just drove by like a minute ago <laughs> doing a little jingle. Hey, honey, what's the jingle sound like? Um, it was like, it's a small world. And then it went into happy birthday. And then it went into Christmas music. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I ice think like even the ice cream man is ready for 2020 to be over. <laughs> he pretty much is. You know, I, I, but that's funny thing is, are they allowed to even sell ice cream? Or how does that work? Because it's like, maybe yeah, I, I guess it's prepackaged. It's not like individual serves. So it's prepackaged. They're able to hand it through their little plastic like windows to kids. Right. I've never been a huge fan of the ice cream truck. What? Yeah, I don't know. That's un-American. It's true. I mean, I guess, I guess so, but... You're think, never that kid that, like, ran down racing the ice cream truck or heard know, it coming from a couple streets away and then was, like, trying to hurry and count your quarters? Oh, pr- I probably was. Uh, hey, Mom, the ice cream man's coming. Hey, Mom, Mom, ice cream's coming. And we flag him down and he stopped, like, right in front of our house and all yes. the neighborhood kids and we would all run out and we'd all uh, hound the ice cream man, you know, for all the stuff that he had. And uh, I like to always used to get, like, the crazy different uh, characters of ice cream, like the mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse one or, like, the, I think SpongeBob had one and then maybe, like, um... Was it like some of the Warner Brothers characters, like Tweety Bird or um, what was it? It was you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite one they got? Um, I liked the Astro Pops. They were like the big giant, um, the blow pop? orange. No, the orange and yellow, um, Rocket Pops. Not the Rocket Pops. The Rocket Pops were like red, white, and blue. I like the ones that are like cherry and orange flavored, and they kind of look a little marbled in color. Those are my favorite to this day. If an ice cream truck is going by, I ask if they have the Astro Pops, and I'm in. I'm pretty basic. I kind of like the one that is the ice cream sandwich, like the I know. cookie one. What's yeah. it called? Uh, it's an like, ice cream sandwich. Well, no, but it's got like the cookie one. It's like Mr. Big Edge or something like that. Oh, like the It's It kind of. That's what they used to be called. It's It. And it's like two chocolate chip cookies and vanilla in the middle. Is that the one? Uh, pro- Yes. Yeah. They have them at the gas station, too, if you want to go there. And get like them. the Toll House ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That it is. Well, today happens well, to wait, be- Wait. Hey. What? Don't, don't switch gears because I was going to tell you something. Well, tell me something. I don't know if I've ever told you this, and it's totally not a joke, but did I ever tell you that when my mom was younger that her and her sister were abducted by the ice cream man? Shut up. I'm 100% telling you the truth. No. Okay, time out. Your mom was abducted abducted by the ice cream man? Yeah, and it's not a joke at all. Uh, so, is he in prison now? Um, I don't know if they ever were able to find him again. But well, they found her. How they, okay. He dropped, there's a long story, but he ended up dropping my aunt and my mom off in like a random location um, after keeping them for hours. They were walking home from, I mean, this is back in the day when 
like kids would go down to the community pool and go swimming during summer and it was safe. But yes, and it's totally true and I'm not making a joke out of it. So always practice safety no matter who the person is, not saying that your local ice cream man will abduct you, but I am saying that it is a very true story. And my mom told me about it growing up. Wow, that's giving me like a heart attack. I know. Thinking about that stuff, like that stuff worries me even to this day. I know. know, Like every kid, how old was she when this happened, you think? Um, I think that I remember her saying that she was like maybe eight. Wow. Maybe eight, maybe nine. So what did the guy say? Just come on for a ride? It's it's cool in here? It's not hot outside? Uh, He told them he would give them a ride home because they were walking home from the swimming pool and it was really hot outside. And he said that he would drop them off. I think he was a familiar ice cream man. I'll have to get the details from my mom. Well, that's not really an abduction. It's like a friend of the family maybe? No, no. But he took them far, far away from home and um, they were getting really worried. And there's a whole lot more to the story. But all that to say... The, my, I have mixed feelings about the ice cream man, but I do like a good Astro Pop. Okay, well there you go, <laughs> there you go. You know my favorite in the store is those. I like the drumsticks; those are always good. Yeah, um, Ezekiel loves those too. Uh, what else is there? Was a new one. The mag was it magma or mag- magnum? Magnum, like the magnum pi of ice cream. Right, and it's like chocolate with caramel. And <sighs> you buy those things by the box full when they're on those like five for whatever five. deals. It's five five for-, for five for five deal. You buy five, you have a good deal. On the ice it's cream. not five for five. It's just a five four because it's if it was five for five, then you'd buy five and each of them would be five dollars. Oh, that's right. Right. That's, that's like right. you're thinking of the four for four at Wendy's. Oh, right. Which you right. do love. You love you love anything that has to do with like a multiple package a multiple deal. discounts. Like, you know, what's funny. It's when you go somewhere like when you buy because we're looking at maybe upgrading our business cards for our podcast. And when you go to, I think it's Vista Print, when you check out, they say, hey, uh, if you want to stack in an extra 200 cards, it's only like 30 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever the deal is. And Chris is is like, I can't resist. It's a discount. (laughs) And I'm like, babe, that's 30 extra dollars you don't need to spend. But But, but, but honey, it's a deal. You know, like it's always whatever the deal is. I just go gravitate to the deals. So, Christine, what has been happening in your world this week? I know you just got back into town last night. Yep. I just got back into town last night. I've been away since last week, which is why we did the remote podcast, which is very exciting. But I was with my family. My mom uh, had pretty major surgery. And so I was, like what um, she was having metal plates removed from her spine because she had some hardware there. And her joke was that she has a couple screws loose because she, oh, ac- wow. she actually did have a couple screws loose in you her call back. It the, the tin man now because she got uh, metal. metal <laughs> no, the metal's in. gone. So the metal was there. And do you walk by like oil aisle and say, hey, uh, mom, they need some. <laughs> you know, no. Back? no, she's not the tin tin woman. But um <laughs> So she had to have those removed. And so I was up there ahead of time and we did a bunch of wedding stuff and I got my wedding dress. I didn't need to get it fitted because it fits perfect, but I had to get a bustle, which that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, it's a bustle like the big thing goes in your butt and like the big train thing. Is that a bustle? I'm not going to give details. Or is that the, for, I, you know what? I don't know. I know. I don't guy. want you to know any details. Hey, don't tell me. That's fine. I will see it when I see it. Yeah, and then I took my mom shopping for, we talked about this last week, an outfit for the mother of the bride, and then I took my little sister shopping, and then I we'd stayed in the evenings, we would look on Amazon and pick the different things for decorations for the wedding, and just have them delivered here to the house while I was gone. <laughs> right. Because like when Christine was gone all week, every single day, Amazon was dropping off something. It was like Christmas morning. I had all these presents or packages for Christine. I put on the table. I said, Christine, 
Merry Christmas. Here's your here's your loot for the uh, all your stuff you got. Yeah. So the wedding programs came in, the menus, the silverware, the plates. We got the chargers. My dad made us a cake Wait, stand. when you said chargers, I thought she meant like phone chargers or like computer chargers. Like she, chargers for the wedding. I'm like, oh, cool. Everyone's got their own level charging what? station for their phone. No, this is pretty you're cool. ridiculous. Well, that's what I thought you a meant. A charger is a plate. It's a car or thing you plug into your no, phone. No, it is it. a plate. That's a why decorative. Why you call it a plate? Because it's it's a charger. It goes. It's bigger than a regular plate and a regular plate sits on top of it. <sighs> Whatever. All right, Drama King. So we got those situated and they're all delivered here. The chargers I brought back from up in Northern California. And I'm very thankful to report that amidst all of the wildfires, the Creek Fire was threatening my parents' cabin. And as of today, their cabin is still standing and their little community of Meadow Lakes is still standing. And we owe that in large part to Cal Fire. They were cutting... Uh, fire lines around the property um, most of the day on like Wednesday and Thursday and Tuesday. Um, and to my parents' benefit, I guess, the back end of their property that they just bought a couple months ago borders property owned by Disney, which is the parent company of ABC. Right. And that's where all the sky cams are for the news. And so they were trying to keep all of the news towers clear and buy that inclusion it included my parents property well that was pretty lucky of them i know they're wow. so grateful yeah I, I would be too that's amazing so it's good they, they kept their house and nothing burned down but it's pretty scary all these fires we've had here locally and up in, up north like you said um this whole state of california is like one big furnace i know and did you hear about the fire in san bernardino it was started by a gender reveal party oh my goodness i heard that yes i did and how dare you i mean can't you do things a simple way i know Why i was gonna start a fire i was even thinking like for our wedding sometimes when couples will leave their reception people will have like sparklers and it's like it looks really cool for pictures but in southern california anything that puts off a spark of any kind does not need to be outdoors it is not worth it and so i was like nope we can just leave we'll be like deuces we're out we don't need sparkler exit. And even outdoor fireplaces scare me too because we have our little outdoor fire pit, although it's gas, so we can control the flame and it's enclosed. But you got guys that will have these outdoor homemade fire rings and they will dump like pallets. Pal and yeah, pallets yeah. and logs. And they'll get the thing like 10 feet, 20 feet in the air. A big fire during fire season. Are you nuts? Well, even if it isn't fire season, like California is a tinderbox at almost all times. Right, because it's so dry here. I mean, everything, when it does rain, we do get the trees, but for majority of the, I mean, majority of the time, it's a big fire, it's big, you know, it's dry, everything's dry. Right. So it just goes up. Right. It and, really does. It's and they don't do anything about it, really. And that's kind of one thing everybody's complaining about. But um, what, what can they do? You know, it's just the way the weather is. Yeah. I'm really thankful for my parents. They, just the weekend before the creek fire started, they had gone up and they'd done what's called clearing. And so what you do is you take like a weed eater or whatever and you clear all the way down to the dirt, any weeds. Like you can't even leave a tiny little bit that the fire could catch on to because then it could kind of spread the fire. And so my mom and dad had spent, oh, several days up in the mountains clearing their property. And that's what everybody is supposed to do at least a good 100 or 200 feet out from their actual structure. Because the thing is, if you clear any less than that, flames rise and they can blow and right. so if you keep it a good 100 or 200 feet away 
it's almost too far for the flames to leap. Right. And I've, I've seen I've seen them leap the freeway. You know, that's mm-hmm. happened quite a bit, especially with the big winds coming up here. The big Santa Ana's and it's very dry. And it's getting really humid here in town, speaking of which. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I'm grateful to be back. And I, were you happy to have me home? I, absolutely, babe. I missed you so much. Aww. Especially, especially after everything happened here at this house. So did you miss me or did you miss my work around the house? Um, both. But <laughs> both. Burn. But, but mostly i missed you particularly um it was so nice to have you back it's nice to see you again we get the band back together back in the studio it's great but i did walk in last night and i had a moment where i was like like, like you'd shown me all the pictures and the video and everything of the house but then walking in it the house just looked like it had been through i mean a disaster which it has been but normally our garage is decently tidy um, not completely immaculate. I mean, yeah, you can pick a car, put cars in there. Yep. Any car you wanted, except but, my new truck. But yeah. Right. You can fit vehicles in there. And our living room is always really tidy. And our uh, laundry room slash mud room. We just had a professional organizer come in a couple months ago. And so everything was really organized. And now our living room is taken over with piles and piles of stuff. And then our entire garage, you can't even walk through half of it because everything's piled up in the middle and covered in plastic and it's just super stressful oh yeah i mean when they when they had to do what they had to do i was so stressed out i, I called you babe i took video i showed you facetime and everything but uh, it was funny because christine thought she had a, her car full of stuff from up mm-hmm. north to bring down here and she was i'm just gonna put it in the garage i said babe i don't think you're gonna fit anything in the garage oh yeah whatever so she goes into the garage and then what happened babe i just looked at it and I just closed the garage door back up and I just parked my car. I took the food out of it and then I left everything out until this morning when we could load it in and we just had to temporarily stage it in one of the bedrooms um, upstairs because there's really no place downstairs. And um, actually, right after we finish recording this, we are relocating to a residence in because we have no hot water and we have no air conditioning. And we really... Speaking Can't of, stay here. Speaking of the, that, uh, no hot water. All this entire week, every single day this week, I have been taking cold showers. And let me tell you, it's only fun at first. Uh, then it started getting really, really cold towards like the fifth day of doing it. I am just like, you get to jump in and jump out as fast as you can. Yeah, I got in there today. Thankfully, I didn't have to wash my hair today because I wash my hair every other day. Otherwise, I that would have just been too much because cold hair, cold water. When you're washing your hair, it makes your hair very coarse and it's very hard to manage. So, you know, thankfully for our amazing insurance company and our new adjuster that we have for this case has been very, very helpful and supportive. And we got, it's like almost an 800 square foot suite that we're going to stay in Ooh, at a residence fancy. in. Nice. No, it's not fancy, but it is, you know, we have a room, the kids have a room, there's a living room, there's a full kitchen. Unfortunately, the pool is closed right now, so that's not helpful. But, you know, we're going to make it through. Right. We sure absolutely are. And speaking of making it through, this week we have a fantastic guest who is going to help us understand what it's like for creative professionals to make it through COVID. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And we will have him on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. 
To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Once every harvest moon, a talk show comes along that is so groundbreaking, raising the bar to such heights that other podcasts step back and say, wow, that show's got it figured out. With a host tempered in focus, commitment, and sheer will, this is The Derek Duvall Show. Pop culture, news, and interviews with fascinating people that channel the great Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite. The Derek Duvall Show. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show, and find his new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. The Derek Duvall Show. The best thing to happen to hump days since the Geico Camel. What, what? Okay, everybody, and welcome back. And today, our very special VIP guest we got for you guys is a journalist, and he's written a few interesting stories and has a very interesting perspective on life. Please welcome to the show, Robert Dean. Thank you for that rousing introduction. I appreciate all of you millions out there in Radio Land. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Robert. Where in the world are you joining us from today? I'm coming to you live from a very rainy, uh, out-of-character Austin, Texas. Ooh. Austin? I heard Austin's like this big new up-and-coming town. Is that true? Yeah, to some, it, I would say yes. It is a little painful at times, but yeah, it's the best place. It's my favorite place to live, and I've lived in a couple all over the country. And it has everything I need in life. Well, I've been to Austin a couple of times. And I think that one of the phrases that I kept hearing was like, keep Austin weird. Is that one of the slogans? What? what? Yeah, that's like the thing they slap on T-shirts to sell at the airport. But <laughs> really? I mean, to me, Austin's not that weird. Austin's just itself. Like in the context of Texas, it's weird because it's a, its own solitary organism. But I mean... Texas is an interesting place to begin with. Right. But, I mean, the weird, the weirdest place in Texas is Galveston down on the bay. That's probably the weirdest place in Texas. But people here just like knowing that we can kind of exist by our own mantra. And for better or worse, people flock to it. Yeah, it is a really interesting city. I remember one of my most vivid memories was taking a little field trip to the Bat Bridges. Wait, yeah, ba- like um, bats hang out? Uh, Austin is home to the world's most population of bats. So every Ooh. night from, I think it's, what would say, like May to October, over 4 million bats fly out from under the bridge and eat all the bugs in the air until they migrate down to Mexico. Wow. Now, they're not so like, like big, giant, like vampire bats, right? They're talking like small ones, right? No, they're like little, they're little guys. They're about the size of, I'd say, an iPhone. Oh, okay, then, okay. I thought Texas had like really big, because everything's big in Texas, that's the <laughs> slogan. But I thought they had like the big massive like vulture-sized bats, you know? No, those are uh, those are down, those are called flying foxes, and those are actually down, only exist down in Australia, and I think there might be a species in Malaysia. I've oh. seen them in the trees in, in Sydney, and they're they're crazy when you see them. Oh, I bet. My gosh. You have vast bat knowledge. I'm very impressed, Robert. <laughs> I am like a Rolodex of the dumbest things. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do well on Jeopardy. Oh my God. Like if there are if there if you have like a beer league of uh 
trivia or Jeopardy or you're playing like rock and roll Jeopardy or whatever. And like I suck at all video games. I'm not good at bar tricks. But if you have a trivia team, you want me playing with you because this is like a treasure trove of useless information. Fantastic. Well, where does that stem from? Like, how did you become the keeper of all knowledge? I don't know. Like, I just read a lot and I really don't watch a lot of TV. And so I just more or less retain things and then I'll hear something interesting and then it just kind of sticks up in there, especially I've got my subjects that I'm good with, but like, especially music, I destroy at music, but you know, I know stuff like a beekeeper, a beekeeper's proper name is called an apiarist. Who knows that? Really? (laughs) Really? So you said music, do you play any instruments? Yeah, I play guitar and bass. I haven't played like I used to. I used to be in a touring hardcore band when I was in my early 20s. And really? I, I kind of gave it up because I needed to, uh, it was like be a writer or play music. And I was doing both and it was fine, but I was in my early 20s. And then once my band ended and we were doing really well. And when that was over, it was like, I got to focus on one. And so I just stuck to writing. But I bought a bass during quarantine and was like, you know, just to play around on it. And then I started figuring out that I actually like playing bass more than guitar. And I'm like, why did I wait so long for this? <laughs> right, right. So now when quarantine's over, I think I'm going to start like an old man hardcore band. Well, Chris over here decided to buy himself a guitar during quarantine too. And um, I don't know if you've listened to our show. If but not, I, you can... can't, I can't really play. <laughs> I, I never, I never learned how to play, but I, I, I think I like to play with it like a kid does, you know, with the pots and pans. <laughs> That's kind of like my guitar uh, session going on, but it's fun to have. I, you know, fun to play with. It's all about yeah. those quarantine hobbies. Yeah, as long as you're having fun with it, who cares? So you said you were doing some writing. So what is it? You said we said journalist. So what exactly do you do journalistic wise? I am a lot of like I can I do a lot of like straight journalism in the sense of I did a piece down at the border, the Texas-Mexico border. I released, I think, in the early spring. I was down there before Christmas, and I worked with the Carrizo Commuto tribe. They're a small Native American tribe that isn't federally recognized but is the like main Native American tribe of Texas. And we were, t- we were on the border. I was 15, 15 feet away from dudes with machine guns, and like I are these arbitrary lines that like, if you cross it, then the United States government has legal right to shoot you. Wow. And I did a story for Mike down there with them. And we uncovered that necessarily the entire, like, I don't want mean to dive super crazy into politics, but what we uncovered and it's there and it's in print and we have all the documentation is we proved that multiple pieces when the border wall was the big story, that multiple pieces of the border wall were just a, a total front so that way they could build this pipeline that would essentially s- extend down the entire tip of Texas all the way from the Gulf down to Brownsville. And the multiple pieces of border wall essentially would just facilitate, oh, since we're building this, we can stick this pipeline behind it. And so I worked with the tribe and then we uncovered this entire thing. And it would have been a big story, but it was at the beginning of the pandemic and it kind of got lost in the shuffle because we were really excited about it and we had – a lot of damning evidence in any other political situation on earth, it would have been a huge deal, like huge deal. But because of the hellscape that we currently exist in, it just kind of was like, Oh, that's another thing. So what was it a pipeline for? Oh, for oil. So So piping oil 
out of the U.S. or to different places? It was a pipeline dedicated to running down to Brownsville. To a, uh, They were trying to build a really big refining station that they essentially built on Mexican soil so it would be much cheaper and like less laws to deal with. And so they wanted to funnel it all the way from to connect into other pipelines like the Keystone XL and the one um, that we were going through with Standing Rock. It would have been a feeder to all of those down there and to feed outward because thanks to fracking and all the different things – um, American oil production is through the roof because, I mean, in case you guys remember a couple of months ago, there was a, a surplus of oil to the point that people were paying uh, – it went negative and people were being pay, were paying off other consumers to take the oil. Right. They, so, were, they were full. Of storage was full and they, they were to capacity and they couldn't uh, – that's why prices started going through the road down. And like you said, yeah, I mean the stock market you know, went down. Yeah, we actually have an intimate knowledge of that because Chris here is a fuel transport driver. And so it definitely related to his industry. So we were very much keeping tabs on the price of uh, crude oil and then like the ships that were having to stay off the coast because there really was no place for the oil to go. Yeah, the like I said, in any other situation, that that article would have blown up. But given the way that the news cycle is right now, it was just that was my last big like piece that I did. I have a new one that I'm going to pitch to them that I can't talk about, but it's pretty shady. Hey, and, you can tell us. We'll tell nobody. <laughs> uh, it's ba- it's basically a, a tech company getting harassed, and we're trying to figure out why. Oh, so. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, so, hey, speaking of quarantine and a pandemic, are you guys starting to turn it around in your neck of the woods or is it kind of still pretty locked down? We took pan- pandemic pretty seriously, but ultimately the thing that even for a place as progressive as Austin and for um, for the world kind of the way that we're doing things in general in Texas is we're kind of at this really weird place in American society as a whole of – we can't keep we can't keep this up like people need to be at work people need to be back like and it sucks because we we're we're murdering our own economy we're losing things like i used to live in new orleans and i'm seeing like these old school new orleans bars that like were cornerstones of the french quarter mm-hmm. they're closing and i was like holy crap Man, I'm getting really good at catching myself not sweating. Yeah, you know, it's um, funny. It's like when we went to Vegas a little while ago, everything was closed too. It was weird. It was a weird feeling. They walked through the casino and had the tables all closed off and having like the bars were all closed. And it's just like the, the, the strip where you could like drive down the strip and like not hit a single red light. Which is oh, weird. Like Austin traffic is nuts right now because Austin traffic, we always refer to it as LA light. Because there is like a time where if you leave after four o'clock until six o'clock, it would take you an hour and a half to go, you know, 10 miles. Oh, wow. And so it was bad because we, we, we're never, we were never built for the amount of people that moved to town. And, but realistically, where we're at, we kind of have to have this national conversation of yes, we all acknowledge that we're in a place that is still touch and go with this, but we're losing businesses. And if they're not, if the powers that be aren't willing to, help us through that and help small businesses and help people get subsidies to keep the doors open. We're going to start seeing a lot of our national institutions go by the wayside. And it's unfortunate because you'd think during an election year, people would just be like, open the checkbook, let's get reelected. But they're not. Right. So we're cannibalizing our own culture at, at a very high cost. So a question for you as it relates to that and journalism. So it sounds like from some of the things that you've shared that you might be a little bit more independent or freelance and not necessarily under a big 
media uh, corporation umbrella. So one of the things, a wondering that I have is as I see the stories that are coming on the news being consistently published by like the same types of entities, what has the pandemic done to the news cycle and like media representation? It's cannibalized it. It's awful. So I'm a freelancer, basically. I have, I don't exist under any one banner because I write about a lot of things. I can go from culture one minute. We can talk about music. We can talk about food. I, I write about baseball too. So like I have a lot of areas of expertise and interest, but this is the worst. Before the pandemic, we essentially every newsroom minus the big players, the Washington Post, New York Times, Fox News, et cetera, they have full staffs and they have an army of freelancers that they will, an editor will make a certain allotment to, to get their stories out as well, because they will come up with something from the outside. And so that was pre pandemic Mm -hmm. during the pandemic newsrooms are gutted. Like my, I have an editor at the Austin American Statesman who has taken multiple unpaid furloughs Wow, just to like, and they, because they can't pay them. And I had an editor, I had a story locked up at vice and my guy advice when they, when they had to cut, cut headcount, he lost his gig and I lost my lead on that story. And wow. I used to, I I've had relationships with editors over the years that I can't even get an email back from them. Now I sent out a new essay that I read in my special that I know is top. It's, it's good. It should be placed somewhere fantastic and I should get a brand new byline out of it. But we can't even get emails back because everybody's fighting for scraps. Like every working writer right now is barely getting by and barely getting anything. So instead of me going out of the norm to try to like get all these new crazy bylines, which a working freelancer always wants, I just go to my existing places where I have an open door policy and I don't make a ton of money on these gigs, but at least I know that my work will be out there and I can continue to put it out. So that's super interesting. And, you know, there's lots of, Chris and I talk about this, there's lots of different conspiracy theories around like COVID and things like that. But what we haven't heard a lot about is the impact of COVID on the news cycle and like what's not yeah, we just kind of we just kind of figure that they're all all either working from home reporting or they're either like a few are in the studio like the anchors are in the studio and the cameramen like those guys and then everybody else is just at home typing away. So in this type of environment, how how do you as a journalist hear of stories that need to be covered? I mean, you gotta you either get a lead on something. Someone I get people that come to me all the time, are like, "Hey, I got this thing. You should check this out." And I take phone calls with somebody probably once a week, and you got to fetter it out, and you got to go, "Okay, this is interesting, but this isn't a story. This is a new. This is like a, an advertisement." So I'm like, "Well, this new store opened up. That's cool, right?" And I'm like, "No, that's not a new story. That's an advertisement." And so you kind of have to suss out things because pre Donald Trump, we had a regular cycle where you could have a diversity of stories and you could do everything and it was fine. We had a, a tapestry of things that were covered. And then once that dude got in office, he, he changed the news cycle dramatically because it was like one thing after another, after another, after another that we had to keep up with. And it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. It's just, there was always something to be mad about no matter what it is or some crazy thing. And it just didn't stop for four years. So what is your, what is your thoughts on his famous statement, fake news? Oh, I mean, 
I think he's the biggest pile of garbage in the history of the world. So <laughs> um, I think he's the literal, I can go on and on and on and on about how of an absolutely abhorrent human being he is. And if I tell anybody openly, if you don't agree with me, please don't ever read my work because I will never say anything nice about him. <laughs> and his entire demonization of what we do is insane. Like, look, I'm an, I'm an avowed left-wing person, and, but I'll always listen to both sides and I like having honest conversations. I have right-wing friends and I appreciate their point of view because the ones that aren't like insane that think QAnon's a real thing – that we can sit down and we can have an actual conversation and go, this is why I feel this way. This is why you feel this way. And let's just find somewhere in the middle or at least have a respectful dialogue. That dude erased all of that. And so when you take the gold standards, like time magazine, the times, the journal, the Washington post, all these things that were like considered the gold standard. And now you have this guy who could barely pass high school English telling us that this is <laughs> fake news. It's a slap to the face of something I put 20 years into. Right, right. Yeah, that's such a, a unique perspective from being on the inside and being involved in media and journalism. And so, you know, I've just wondered how you've evolved over the course of this presidency in what you have been able to pitch and get accepted to different publications. I mean, it's, it's rough because a lot of it is uh, – what my thing has really grown into is a lot of times I write a lot of op-eds and a lot of essays and kind of personal point of view pieces. That's what my career's kind of moved into. And I kind of tell things from my point of view and how I see things. I come from the school of like I, – I, like despite being a writer, some of my biggest influences like are Charles Bukowski and Hunter S. Thompson and those guys as well. But just the same as I'm hugely influenced by George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Dave Chappelle at this, at the exact same time, I try to have humor in my writing, but also like be able to see through the mat, the veneer of complete idiocy or deceptive behavior. So there's a lot of those things that I try to pepper in my work, even if it's through subtext and it gets rough. I mean, it definitely gets rough to try to like, do the job and to have some accuracy with how you feel and what people can be represented by because you won't want to do, but right by the people. And you're just trying to say what's going on and it, whatever context you want to have or whatever story you're trying to tell. And now we have like Patriot fart dot Eagle. This is like some like, or like Ronald Reagan is amazing.org. And you're like, great people now, are going to share this. And now we have to like justify that this is insane. Now, do you feel like, like in this day and age, that there's always a fight to get it out first rather than get it out correctly? That's always been the business. That's the business of tech as well. It's just get it out first and hope for the best later. You can always correct the story because if you break it, you know, then uh, I guess that, that makes sense. Lead. I guess TMZ is the king of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different, different animal. They're, they're just as bad as anybody. Yeah, Chris checks out TMZ all the time, and he's like, "Look at what TMZ has." I'm like, "That's like muckraking journalism at its but they, finest." But the thing about TMZ, I've noticed lately, they have gone full force into finding all the Karens and all the Kens in the world and gathering them up and posting them every single day. There's a new Ken and Karen story. Yeah, I mean, it's it bears question of yeah, do you have a freedom of speech? Do you have a freedom to say things? You do, you absolutely do, but you also have your you have to suffer the consequences of your actions. 
And if that is the route that they choose to go, that's fine because I think that these people shouldn't get a cultural pass. But at the same time, is it's one of those things of, okay, great, here's another story of somebody being a jerk and somebody doing something awful. And now here's another 30 people on Facebook arguing with each other about it. Right. And in some cases, it fans the flames and then you got riots, you know? Yep. So it's a, it's a consistent whirlwind of ideologies and. I legitimately hope for the best possible outcome in November because I think it'll be a cultural salve more than it is anything perfunctionary to driving any. I look at it as the way of can you make this change for the sake of the people going, okay, that experiment is over and you guys (laughs) will still exist. We know that your fan club will still be here and you will still be a part of the world, but can we all just take a sigh of relief and go, for one second, can we just try to get back to normal? You know, I I have to pick your brain on this now because, you know, we live in California and we did go through having a quote unquote celebrity as a governor previously. And so I... Oh, well, thanks. I, I did pretty good, I think. <laughs> no, and we had Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so I think that there's something to like celebrity status and electability. So what is your take on that? I don't think celebrities should be in politics. I think if you're going to go the route of politics, go the Al Franken route and start from representative and build your way up. But going straight from zero to 100 does nothing because you don't know the game. You don't know. And I'm not saying you have to necessarily play the game, but you have to understand the game. Like Schwarzenegger, from what I recall, was actually a pretty decent governor. And so and that's coming from a liberal or I didn't even call myself a liberal anymore, a leftist at this point. But most people will be like, yeah, he wasn't that bad. And so, you know, that that is a thing that because he's also the guy that built his career and like did a whole lot of stuff that you're like, dude, like one dude did all this. So (laughs) I think he's an aberration to that exact idealism. But if you want to flip it on the inverse, usually when most people who their entire brand is based in entertainment chances are that they don't really, they don't get it. They get it for their own self-serving reasons, just like the guy with the golden toilet. <laughs> oh, this was nice. We, we just put in a toilet in. Hey, honey, why don't we get a golden one instead? You know? No, no. <laughs> well, you know, I did want to share with you, Robert. I, I wouldn't call myself a journalist, but I did get my first story published in the San Diego Union Tribune just a couple weeks ago. So, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. It was an op-ed. I heard you mention that. But uh, what do you do when people close to you find offense with something that you've written. How do you handle that as a journalist? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Christine, that's what you got to do. <laughs> no, you've got to, come on, you got to coach me through this just a little bit. No, my I, my I, story ruffled feathers. So how do you handle it? I don't care. I legitimately don't care. Look, I, my goal in this world is spread positivity, love, holistic kindness, and to be the best person that I can possibly be. If you get if you get offended by the truth of the matter, like I'll never go out of my way to cannibalize anything. But if I tell you the truth from this place that like, I want all people to have a seat at the table. I want gay people to have the best life. I want trans people to have the best life. I want indigenous people to have representation. And I want all of these people, I don't want immigrants to come here and feel like this is the place that they always wanted to be a part of. If what I say offends you, I don't need you in my life to begin with. That's a very bold perspective and you are a much better person than me. So I've been balled up about it a little bit, but I do have a question for you. So with the current 
presidential race and Kamala Harris being selected as the vice presidential running mate for Joe Biden, you know, making history as the first woman of color to make top ticket for a major party. If you were to be given an exclusive story around Kamala Harris, what would your angle be? Um, I don't know, because I really don't care, to be honest with you. Like, I just with her and with the whole thing is I just want to know, can how can you how can you serve the people that feel disenfranchised by the world around them? Like what, what figurehead will you be? Because you serve, she has a uh, Southeastern Asian roots. Like she has, she is a black woman. She is a woman. Like she hits all the boxes for underserved communities. So can she be the figurehead for change? Can she be that driving force? Because ostensibly we all know Biden ain't running the show. It's going to be her. Biden, really? has said, Biden has said himself, I am a transitionary president. Biden probably won't even make it four years. He'll probably, after a year and a half, be like, this is great. I'm almost 80. I'm giving her the reins. Let's go. Like, she'll be teed up the whole time. And so it's essentially going to be a transfer of power almost immediately. It's She's just like a a AAA ball player going in to to get her spot, which is fine. But ultimately, how can you serve the people that are, you know, a lot of leftists and people that are far left are like, you know, we're fighting for police reform and you go and hire a cop. And so it's like, is that a conversation? Sure, that's a conversation that I think we nationally need to have. But we need to have it from a place of, look, I'd rather deal with somebody that's done positive things for the world than Mike Pence again. A guy who calls his wife mother. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think I've seen that. I think, I think I've heard that and seen that. And there was one thing I heard, too. That Mike Pence would not be in another room with another woman or something goofy like that. Here, here's oh, he's a- got he's got a lot of weird things. Like, and he's like a fan of uh, like, look, dude, it doesn't take anybody can see that Mike Pence is like the most closeted gay man. It's like insane. <laughs> Whoa! Like, look That's at bold. him. <laughs> look at him. Yeah, find me, Robert Dean. Look me up on the internet. I don't give it. You know, yeah, right, go right. Google me. Anyhow. <laughs> But yeah, he looks like the most closeted gay man on earth. And you're like, word, dude. And you're the one that calls his wife mother and have talked about transition therapy to like pray the gay away. This is real smooth, dude. Well, tell us how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, go ahead. I'm here for the people. (laughs) And the people are here for you. Well, so it seems like you've been working on some exciting things in your world lately, and you had a a new project that you mentioned came out just recently. Can you tell us more about your new special, Functioning on Zero? Yeah, it's called Functioning on Zero, Robert Dean Live from the Lost Well. Um, Essentially, pre-pandemic, I was shopping a TV show, and I was six weeks away from Netflix, Hulu, CNN, all kinds of stuff of going in and pitching and doing the whole thing. And then the pandemic hit. And then mm-hmm. I went from, hey, you have a chance to do your own show to we might see you in 2021. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hope crushing. And so since w- me and all the people I shot the t- TV show with are sitting around, no one's working right now. I have like these amazing like the camera guy I work with shot Anthony Bourdain, he shot Stevie Ray Vaughan, he shot Towns Van Zandt, Bill Hicks, all the Austin City Limits. I've got that guy in my back pocket, and that dude is a friend who believes in me. He is a strong supporter of everything I do, and he's like, dude, I've shot all these people in life 
And I believe you're of that caliber. So I don't take that lightly. And he is a friend that will always shoot stuff. And so I asked him if he wanted to do something. This bar, The Lost Well, here in town, they were raising money like any way they could. They were like renting their stage out so bands could practice in there and do stuff. I was like, well, what if I rent the stage and do a tribute to the 1972 special Bukowski Reads Bukowski and just do it my own stuff? And so I put it together, got a couple of a journalism friend interviewed me. Tom shot me and then we just shot it in the, in the bar and I read some essays. I read one about, I read like some stories about failure, about an old drunk. I read some poems and I get interviewed and there's some B roll. It's fun. It's, it's on uh, Facebook, right? It's on my Facebook. It's on YouTube and you know, it's been watched in the last, it went up yesterday or the day before. I don't know. It went up the first. So was that Tuesday and it's been watched like 1500 times already. So, oh wow! Then it's only on YouTube and Facebook, or is it like anything else? No, it's just on YouTube and Facebook. Is there a charge to get it? I don't know how that works. Is nope. it, com- oh, okay. Com- completely free. All you got to do is Google my name, and I'll be there. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was cool. And it's I tell a story about going to Australia and some personal stuff, and I'm wide open about my life, and it's it's been really cool how people have reacted to it. That's fantastic. So. People can find it on YouTube by just searching Functioning on Zero Robert Dean at the Lost Well. Yep. That's all you got to do. Or just go to my Facebook page. It's t- it's tagged right up at the top or Instagram. Do you have, any, fo- do you have any footage from Australia on that trip and that in the uh, thing? No, that's just me reading it. I have some photos and stuff and we like thought about and splicing them in there because I talk like so in the essay I read, I talk about how I when I got to like hold a koala. I'm wearing a fedora and I look like such a douche. <laughs> and I like in person, it looks cool. It's like a cool Jack White, expensive Goran Brothers fedora, but in the photo, it looks so tragic. And so <laughs> we thought about it, like splicing that photo in, but we ultimately didn't because it just f- messed up the flow. Right now, how long is the special? Uh, it's 32 minutes. 32 minutes. Okay, it's not bad. It's a good. I think it's a good run, a good length. Yeah, it's the the, po- the feedback I've gotten on it has been extremely positive. So. I just wanted – when you're at a time when nothing is being created and right. we're all just kind of sitting like all – everybody in TV, everybody in movies is just sitting around not working. And so I was like, I might as well utilize my friends that aren't doing anything. That brought up a good, interesting um – interesting perspective that i came up with last night on the whim i don't know if you know but uh last night the rock and his entire family had just uh, broke the news that they had covid uh, yeah. the, whole, the whole family does and of course it all started with tom hanks and then um a bunch of others came out a bunch of celebrities a-listers and i'm thinking like is this like the cool new a-lister thing to do is to say i've got covid even though they may have it may not i'm not saying they do or they don't i'm just kind of wondering why are all these a-listers all of a sudden have it and we don't because i think they have access to testing when they want that could be it too so you you think we all all have it and we don't know it (laughs) yeah i I legitimately do my ex-wife is a covid nurse and she is my, my ex is the, well, she is one of the best nurses in the state of Texas. She has a Daisy Award. She has worked overnight graveyard shift in the ICU in the capital of Texas. She worked in the transplant unit in New Orleans with like in a hospital that had no money. And she is battle tested and bulletproof. And she will tell you 
through and through and through. This is like nothing they've ever seen. And so her perspective is one that I always keep in mind about this. And I mean, there's nothing cool about joking about that. They just said that uh, Robert Pattinson from that's shooting the new Batman movie is confirmed today and they have to shut down the whole project. Oh my God. Wow. For them to shut down an entire Hollywood Batman movie, that's millions of dollars. Right. And then the thing is, I was saying is that none of them are working right now. A lot of a lot of them are all shut down anyways, the production studios and, and all that. They've been shut down for a while, as far as I know. And I thought that maybe, maybe that that it was almost like to be relevant in this situation where nobody's really coming out with new material. Everyone's kind of sitting at home that, um, well, I got COVID. Well, I got COVID. Well, I got COVID. You know, no, I think, I think that's super far-fetched, man. Well, that's thank you. I- <laughs> thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. I was texting him. He was working last night and I was like, well, that's a conspiracy theory there. Yeah, but like, like why? Like it was the rock dude, the rock is the, like the picture of health. That dude has like right. 0% body fat. And if he can get it, like I said, I've heard, I got stories that my ex tells me that would haunt you and you don't want what that is. And do I think a lot of us have been lucky enough? Like, do I think the rock is like, on his deathbed no he's a super healthy guy he's probably got a little case of the sniffles and he'll bounce back just fine right ultimately for the rest of us it's a thing like i'm convinced i had it in uh january because i was sick me and both of my kids were like sick sick and i was like on the couch out for the count and we thought it was the flu at the time and my youngest son did end up having the flu but I was in bad shape. How long long did it last, do you think? It Uh, was like two to three days. And I specifically remember being at my ex-wife's house, hanging out with my kids and eating something out of like a fruit basket. And then being like, hmm, I can't taste this. Right. Is that that one of the symptoms of COVID? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. I was just going to say, you know, I was sick, very sick back in April. And... Um, I'd gone to the doctor just to get checked as everything went to shelter in place. Cause I have bad asthma. And I said, I need to make sure I have all my meds just in case. And then she checked my lungs and she's like, um, you have early signs of pneumonia and got me on some meds right away. And then over that next week, I really declined in health. I mean, it was so bad. Chris had to help me like walk down to the end of our cul-de-sac just cause I was so weak and I needed to keep my lungs inflated, but I got tested after the fact, um, for the antibody because I couldn't get COVID testing at the time. Like you said, it just wasn't available, but it came back as negative for the COVID antibody. But they said, oh, well, it's only like 50 or 60% accurate. So we still don't know. But as sick as I was with n- perceived pneumonia, I can only imagine how much worse it'll be right. if I was to get sick. Yeah, I, I don't think that when, at the, the, when people ask about, they're like, well, we don't have the testing, we don't have this. I'm like, dude, they're like when people make these uh, like comparisons to... It's the flu and stuff. I'm like, we've had hundreds of years of diagnostic testing and stuff. I was like, what we're learning right now is by the seat of our pants. Right. So you don't hear people saying you have the hand sanitizer thing anymore. They don't talk about the surfaces anymore. Everybody now is just don't breathe on each other. Uh, how do you feel about masks and mask wearing in your part of the world? Uh, I think even if you don't believe in wearing masks, if you don't believe in wearing masks, something's wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> right. But if you don't have the common courtesy to say, look, I, this, I may not believe it, but I think that everybody else probably should do it for the greater good 
And if you still think that you're above that mentality, something's just wrong with you and you're a narcissist. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was a, I saw a fight break out at the gas station I was delivering to. I was waiting in line to buy a Gatorade. And I'm waiting in line, and the guy in front of me, two people in front of me, he goes to the counter, takes his mask off, puts it in his pocket. And the clerk said, You gotta have a mask on. I can't serve you because it's the law out here in California. You have to be have a mask on when you enter a business. And he said, Screw that. I'm not doing that. I'm an American. I uh, have rights and I can do whatever I want. And she said, I can't serve you. And she started throwing a big fit. And then the guy behind me, he said he speaks up and says, hey, have some respect for everybody else and don't do it for you, do it for everybody else. He's I'm an American. I can do whatever I want. Screw you. And then they started throwing words and it spilled out into the parking lot. And I was like, oh, God, get me out of here. Cause I, here All I- about a guy that didn't want to wear a mask because he didn't care about others. So I think that your words are great words of wisdom is even if you don't believe in it, it's not about you. It's about everybody else that you could get sick. That's it. Like what, what that's one of those things is what does wearing a little piece of cloth over your mouth? What, what harm is that? Right. Like, I don't get it. It's, it's literally, you go to the gas station, you grab your Gatorade, you pay your $3, you walk out and you go, Hey, I'm back out in the fresh air, pop it off, get back in your truck and go on your merry way. But because of this like American exceptionalism and we've politicized personal health to the point of it's become a symbol of weakness because it's like refusing to wear a mask is like the complete ideology of toxic masculine masculinity at its finest. It's I can't be seen wearing that because it's weak. And then that spills over to others who, you know, like women who agree with their husbands or whatever. And, you know, if I, if he's not going to be that, I'm going to stand by my man. And this creates this culture of just gross people that have no foresight to somebody that could be immunocompromised. Like you have asthma, like for somebody to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to breathe on you. That's not nice. Right. Why would you do that? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I totally get that. And I've been seeing on social media, some of the very right wing conservative women posting uh, images of women from the Middle East who, because of their religious affiliation, are covered for the majority of their body and then putting a mask picture next to it and saying this is where it starts. And it's so offensive for someone like me with asthma and an autoimmune disease that it's like you're literally debating on whether or not protecting my health is important. So thank you for your words. And in general, thank you for this conversation today and sharing a bit about your passion. And so can you tell our listeners again where they can find your special and find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at literally Robert Dean. You can find me on Facebook. I think it's like Robert Dean's world or something like that. Just type in Robert Dean. You'll see me. I'm covered in tattoos and wearing a Western shirt. Awesome. Uh, oh, okay. That, that narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, you'll find it's trust me, you'll find me. There's I'm not hard to miss. And uh, you can find Functioning on Zero, Robert Dean Live at the Wallace Well on YouTube, or you can just go straight to my Facebook or my Instagram, and there's links for it both. You can watch it right on Facebook. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for being on our show today. We wish you all the best of luck. And for all of our listeners, if you have great leads on very interesting stories that align with some of what you've heard Robert talk about, shoot him a message through Facebook or Instagram and give him that hot tip and let's support our freelance journalists in America. There you go. Absolutely. And I always like to add on one thing when I leave a podcast or any kind of interview. Do something kind for someone today, even if it's small, even if it's insignificant as giving a homeless person change, buy him a cheeseburger, or just telling your wife that they look beautiful today. One act of kindness will go a long way to the long run of the world. 
Amen. I love that. That's great. Thank you so much, Robert. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Dino with our podcast. And Michelle. (laughs) I almost cut you off. That's okay. We just want to let you know that you can find us at gangalley.com. It's like a gang in an alley. Gang alley. We're on iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Double Pod, Apple, and we have a YouTube channel for supplemental material. But what do we normally talk about? Oh, gosh. Everything, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we touch on whatever is... Whatever poignant the, that week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we wrap it into movies, TV, pop culture, whoever's ticking us off. <laughs> ticking me off. <laughs> Social media toxicity. But we always have one important message. The most important message. Be decent to each other. So check us out. Aw, podcast. <laughs> Peace. I always appreciate when somebody is able to speak their mind so clearly, and especially when they have really strong opinions like Robert. Don't you agree? I do 100%. Although everybody may not agree about everything. That's why that's why we all are very different, you know? So, but um, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we've been having conversations about being able to bring people in from lots of different perspectives and hearing where they come from. And I loved how he had a unique spin on some of his experiences and beliefs. And it always makes me reflect and think back, like, what what do I believe and why? And I just learn every time we have a new guest. That is great. That, what I would say, is very fantastic. And and I can't help but still remember that time when I went to Austin and I saw all of those thousands of bats. It was so crazy. Gosh, that would scare me to death. You know, when I lived at Alpine, uh, we had bats at night. You did? Yeah, oh yeah. It would like, during, during summertime usually or October time, which is kind of ironic because it's like Halloween, but the bats would um, sunset. We'd play outside, ride mm-hmm. bikes and play whatever and then they would start flipping around, flipping around everywhere and you'd see them and then, and then, they would come out like right at sunset. You start to see them. Right. I guess at night too or whatever. But they would scare me because like they never went down and got my hair or like that. But um, you would see them a lot and be like crazy. Bats everywhere. Well, in Austin, it's like nothing you've ever seen. There's this specific area of bridges and they actually have boat bat tours. Like people will f- be on boats and they'll go under those the bridge area. Oh, to see them hanging up there? And no, no they fly all around. And so they're like all around you and i did not do that nor will i ever in my life knock on wood but i did go on to this the bat bridge uh, i think i've been to austin twice it was both for work and i took my whole staff down there and everybody was so fascinated they got like little bat stickers and little bat badges and like you know, little be, stuffed bats it'd be really funny if uh the guy that was like the tour guide dressed up as batman that would be <laughs> that would be the ideal perfect package i would say uh, that's hilarious. And if ever there was a real Batman, that would be the town that he would be from, I'm sure. That's where he got his, uh, his nickname or he got his start was in Austin, Texas. <laughs> and then he went to Gotham, you know, fight crime, crime right. fighter. Gotham City. <laughs> That's right. Well, just like we love having guests here on the podcast, I think that we shared a week or so ago that we got to actually appear as guests on another podcast. Right, Chris? That's right. To the 10 Steps Forward, is that what's called? 10 Steps Further. Further podcast. Yeah, with Dr. 
Jack Hawkins. Sorry, I had to think for a second. Is he a doctor or pastor? Pastor. Sorry, Pastor Jack Hawkins. I just call everybody doctor at this point. But Pastor Jack Hawkins and um, of Canyon Springs Church here in San Diego County. And we were asked to appear as guests on the show, right? That's right. We went there in person because I'm used to usually usually doing all of our uh, stuff remotely. But they said, hey, come on in. We'll do it there. And I'm like, really? You guys don't worry about COVID or all that kind of stuff? But But we did a socially distanced interview. Kind of. They had this little padded room with these microphones and a couch, and we had us all set up with no headphones or anything. It was all freestyle, which is kind of weird for us because we do everything with headphones on and um, and all that. But but anyways, so they had us all there in the room, and um, I thought it was great. It went very well, I thought. We, we'll hear it on, what, next Tuesday? On this coming Tuesday, yeah. So this uh, is coming out over the weekend, so in just a couple of days. So definitely go over and subscribe to the 10 Steps Further podcast and Get ready for their next episode, which releases on Tuesday, where Chris and I will be talking about how to get back up after life setbacks, where we each share very intimately our divorce journeys and our path to finding each other and finding happiness again. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And I will definitely, when that show airs, I will post it on our social media links and, and all that fun stuff uh, when it comes out. I th- yeah, I said on Tuesday. What was that experience like for you, Chris, being there and actually like going through your past? and You know, it felt a little bit like a therapy session, a little mm-hmm. bit like, um, because it was very quiet. The room was quiet. It was dim. Um, it was very... I don't know how to explain it, but I, I thought it felt very great. I thought that it was so neat that we were able to sit next to each other. And this happens to be the pastor that is going to marry us. And he heard our story through, you know, the not the application process, but the reach out process to him and was just really taken by how we've overcome so much and found each other and haven't been overcome with bitterness in life. But we were able to learn to love again and you know, talking about our faith journey and we know that not all of our listeners share the same faith background as us, but we would love it if you would hop over and at least take a listen on Tuesday when that episode comes out, and it helps you get to know us a little bit better. That's right, because we we uh, we don't we do spend a little bit of time talking about ourselves, but not in that depth kind of the way we did on that episode with their podcast. So look forward to it on Tuesday. Yeah, it's probably not. I mean, we didn't say anything super dicey, but it's not the best to listen to with little ears around necessarily because we do talk about um, some specifics related to our journey. Really, I, I forgot what I even said. So <laughs> truth, I just kind of rambled on. I don't, I don't remember. remember, but it was you know, it's like I said, it's one of the most vulnerable interviews that we've ever done, and um, probably more vulnerable than we've even gotten here on our show. And so we'd invite you, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and what we've overcome, we'd encourage you to hop on over and subscribe to the 10 Steps Further podcast. And thank you. If I have not said that already, I don't think I have. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We both really, really appreciate it. And we would appreciate it if you guys would also would leave a review and a star rating of your choice. Preferably four or above. Five stars would be great, (laughs) but also we love honest feedback. So I think honesty is key because you see a lot of these podcasts, they'll have like a gazillion five-star reviews and you're like, huh, that's odd. Not a single person out there uh, didn't have any comment (laughs) of any kind. That was uh, slightly negative because you go on Amazon and you see like any product, doesn't matter what it is, they'll have like even like 10,000 reviews. They're not all five star. Right. But your thing is, I think you thrive off of the negative feedback. That's, I think, what you think helps you get better. 
where I'm like, oh, somebody gave us negative feedback. No, I'm fine with it. I'm cool with whatever. It's all good to me because I try to improve the podcast every single day and every single time I do it. That's why I listen to it so much. And that's why I always try to improve on things. And I'm trying, I even threw one thing out this morning to Christine. We should try this other new toy. <laughs> and she's like, uh, I don't know, because we already got other stuff we're working on. And no, busy. I did. I actually did not comment at all. I just, well, that's um, the same thing. Okay. To me, that's like the same thing. No, you're so funny. But uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening to us. And we definitely would appreciate the reviews and for you to share this on social media. And help us share our message of love, laughter, hope, joy, comedy, all of the above. Right, Chris? Right. And if you want to find more about us, you can go to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. That is Chris and Christine with K's. Um, don't you worry. This link will be in the show notes like we always put all of our goodies for you to find. Yep. And we will see you back here next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.